nothing but prayer. We're just coming to pray, and so I want to encourage you to come down there. Youth, you'll be dismissed tonight. I want you to look in your Bibles. Uh, no youth tonight, no youth service being a holiday weekend. Uh, let's look here in Genesis 4. Genesis 4 um, in verse 10. Let's go to the Lord right now in prayer once again and ask for his help. Father, you know, Lord, my inability. Lord, you know, Lord God, how desperate in need we are of you in this day. Lord, we don't need to hear the enticing words of man's wisdom, Lord, but what we need is the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit to be evident today. Lord, I believe that there are those that walked in here, Lord God, that are in desperate need of your word. And I'm asking, Lord, today that you would echo from eternity, Lord, thunder from the throne of grace, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's look here in Genesis 4, in verse 10. God had created man. Man produced offspring. First two sons, Cain and Abel. They came and brought a sacrifice to the Lord. One was pleasing and one was not. One understood the sacrificial system. We don't know for certain whether or not Adam had taught his sons, but we have indication that he did teach his sons about sacrifice. One was acceptable and the other was not. Then Cain rose up and he slew his brother. And here's where the, the word of the Lord in verse 10. And he said, the Lord speaking to Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which was opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So Cain, he killed his brother. Nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to see. But the Lord could hear the innocent blood that was shed that day. It was thundering to heaven. So he calls Cain out. I want you to look now in Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Hmm. The book of Hebrews was written long, long, long after this occurrence that took place in Genesis, but yet the blood is still heard in heaven. Now look there in Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That'll preach right there, won't it? Is your name register in heaven? To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Today, I want to share a message with you entitled simply, The Blood Still Speaks. 
the blood still speaks. If Abel's blood is heard in heaven, how much more is the blood of Jesus heard in heaven? But what is more importantly, what is more important today is that the church of the living God and the world begin to receive a message of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the blood we need to listen to in order to obtain and walk in the freedom and the liberty and the promises of the Lord. The Lord has given us patterns through his word and in that pattern and in instructions we see a sacrificial system of innocent animals being slain to ultimately lead to one complete total sacrifice for all sins past, present, and future and that would be the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, I would encourage you as you look at the Word of God, whether the Old or the New Testament, you need to be looking on every page for Jesus. You need to be looking for the evidence and the witness of Jesus on each page. Because what we discover is everything with that theme from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We discover that man was generated, and then he fell from that perfect existence and now the entirety of the word of God up until the to the end was about the regeneration of man to ultimately reach the transformation so that they could enter in one day to a complete recovery of all sin to be in the likeness and the image and the presence of the living God so as we look to the word what we begin to see is that we have freedom that we need to walk in we cannot make it by works. Works will not get us to the place of righteousness that is required by the law. The reason for works and the law is not that the law was bad, but the law was to lead us to a place of surrender so that we can discover we can't make it on our own. As Paul was showing us, the law was sent to be our, our schoolmaster, our teacher, our instructor, to lead us to a place where we acknowledge the reality, I cannot do this myself. Though that God requires holiness, I cannot be holy in and of myself. My thoughts are continually upon wickedness. I am a selfish individual. I will sin if left to myself. But thanks be to God that he not only gave the sacrifice, but now the sacrifice gets inside of us and now we live not according to our ability but according to the ability of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. That is called the good news. God gives us an escape. He gives us a new way of life. He allows us to live in the freedom if we will live in the completed work of the sacrifice of Christ. As we look here to God's word, what we see, even in the book of Revelations, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they loved not their life unto death. They overcame the enemy, the dragon. They overcame the enemy, Satan. They overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they love not their life unto death. 1 John 5, 7 through 8 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And there are three 
Those three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. These three are one. What bears witness on earth that we have been set free by the, by the, uh, of the power of Satan and of, the, of sin has not only been forgiven, but now we have been empowered to overcome self? The witness here on earth is the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we will begin to listen and begin to understand that it is in his blood, in his blood alone, that we are set free free from the power of sin, the power of Satan, and the power of self. That God can forgive us of our sins and he can empower us to overcome Satan, but if we don't learn to conquer self, we will turn back to sin and fall right back into the place that we started out. So, folks, as we look here to the Word of God, you may have come in and not reached the revelation, the understanding, and the knowledge of the blood of Jesus, but I would pray and ask you today, would you begin to listen to the voice of the blood of Jesus? Where Jesus bled, we are now afforded and given freedom. Through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are now made free. The life is the patterns of God's word. And it's begin to show us in the pattern of God's word. He said, don't eat the flesh and drink the blood of the animals because the life is in the blood. The life was in the blood. There is life in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the testimony that the blood gives to us, the witness that the blood gives to us, we can see where Jesus Christ bled. We can begin to discover that there is freedom, that there is liberty. It all began in the garden, did it not? Where God created man, Adam and Eve, created them perfect, created them in his image. He set them in a garden, and he set them. There was a, a tree. There were two trees in the midst of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God gave man a choice. God created them innocent. Man, instead of reaching for the tree of life, man was beguiled by the enemy and reached for the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. Now, man being a triune being, body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body, what had happened that day is that as they partook in disobedience, to the known will of God. They knew not to partake of it, but yet they re reached out and grabbed hold of it. Now, all of a sudden, their emotions were overdeveloped. Their solical man was overdeveloped, uh, and the spirit man was cut off from communication with God. Andrew's been doing a fantastic job in life class and explaining many of these concepts and terms to us. This understanding and this teaching, but what we see there is that man's solical person, who he is, was overdeveloped. Instead of being a spirit-led person now, they were led by their soul. What they could see, taste, touch, their will. And as much as man would try, he would never be able to measure up to the righteousness of God. I want you to know today, weakness is not your enemy. 
Weakness is your strength. Because when you discover that it is in his blood alone that you were saved, you stop trying to work to merit his favor. When you discover that God does have requirements, but with those requirements, he also enables me to fulfill those requirements. Now, all of a sudden, I live in a liberty that I didn't have before. Because now I don't trust in my first Adam. I trust in the last Adam. He's not called the second Adam. He's called the last Adam. It all began in a garden, but also, folks, uh, it continues. Uh, and as we are began to find freedom in another garden, it wasn't the Garden of Eden, but it was the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we bear witness uh, to the Word of God. And what we discover is that in that Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was earnestly praying to the Father, Lord, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but Lord, your will be done. If you live in a fantasy world, always thinking that the will of God is going to be pleasurable, then let me say to you, I'm sorry for, to awaken you to the reality is the will of God is not always pleasurable. But it's absolutely necessary if we're going to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. Jesus is there. And there's a struggle between his humanity and his, his divinity. He is there. He is every bit God. But he is also every bit man. He is a perfect man. He is the last Adam. Because we need no other Adam. After him, there is a new race of people that will come forth. See, the first Adam brought forth a race of people that are born into a world where they are solical or driven by our minds, our wills, and our emotions. We have been overdeveloped in the garden. We like to sit in circles, paint our toenails, and talk about our feelings. <laughs> Some of you get that reference. Others like, dude's lost it. <laughs> but let me say to you, as we look here, Jesus Christ is the last Adam, according to the word of God. He is the last Adam so that we don't need to look for another Adam because the first Adam messed things up. And now every person born into the world are born into a world of sin where they're dominated and controlled by their emotion. And I have three of the most beautiful grandbabies in the world. I have three of the most beautiful grandbabies in the world, and I know you feel the same way about your babies as well, but let me tell you, they're little stinkers. They are little stinkers, and they're going to inherently do things that are not right. They're precious, and we love them, and we will always love them. We will always hold, and in fact, little Miss Nora... I shaved last week, you know. She came and seen me. And I told some of you this. It was just so cute and clever and just, it just, she grabbed me, my face, and she said, where is Pops? 
I said, well, baby, I'm holding you. And that's when she grabbed my face and she looked me in the eye and she said, is Pops in there? <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> that was the most, that's the cutest thing in the world. But you leave little Miss Nora alone for about a half a second and that girl will be into everything. She'll be in the curtains pulling them down. She'll be in the cupboards pulling stuff out. She'll be crawling where she doesn't need to crawl. She'll be running off into places that she doesn't need to be. Why? Because she's got a lower nature. She's beautiful. She's cute. She's innocent. But she is a stinker. You stink in your lower nature. God knew that, but he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But the beautiful thing about the word of God and the love of Jesus Christ, I have, I, I, I have tried to rationalize. I, I have looked at this from one end to the other. I have spent decades studying the word of God, walking with Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit, and the gospel in the natural mind and realm makes no sense at all. Why would you endure what you endured for a creation that rejects you? Why would you go to those links to be to put on the very creation? that you created and spoke by your words. And to walk upon this earth and to suffer what you suffered and to die that gruesome and brutal death. Why did you do that? There is only one singular answer to why the Father required it of the Son and it is what bears witness in our heart by his spirit. And that is because he loves you. He loves you. There's no other rhyme or reason. There's no other. There, there is nothing that makes any sense why God would do what he did except the fact that he loves you. And when you open your ears, your spiritual ears, and you look with your spiritual eyes to heaven, and you look with your spiritual eyes to Calvary, what we need to be looking at and listening to is that the blood declares to us the Lord Jesus loves us, the Father God loves us, the Spirit loves us, and that's why he died for us listen as you can hear the blood crying out from Calvary's heel and he's declaring to you I love you I love you I love you but it began for the first Adam in a garden and it began as a new race of people that would come forth, not being led by their soul, but by their spirit, their God consciousness, their connection with God. It was in a garden as well. And in that garden, Jesus is there with a struggle between his humanity and his divinity and his such earnestness, resisting 
the wheel of man that he resisted and struggled that the Luke, the physician, said that his blood, his sweat became blood. Now, I was just looking at this. We always think about, and I've read commentaries where the, the strain in his forehead was actually what caused the blood vessels to break, but there's, it was more than that. People can literally come under such strain that literally the entirety of their body, all of their sweat glands can emit blood. As I was looking at that, thinking about this is where it began, this is where it started when Jesus shed his blood, and that's where the witness begins. That's where the witness declares to all eternity. Because of that blood that was shed in that garden, the power, the life. What was he doing? He was resisting his will. And as he bled there in that moment, what was taking place is when he resurrected from the, from the grave, all of humanity would now be empowered because of the every part of their body that was blood that was emitting from Jesus Christ. We now have the ability to choose the right path. I blow up because that's who I am. I'm just born with this hot temper. If God wanted you to blow up every time you got mad, he would put a smokestack on top of your head. We all have our struggles. I understand that. But you might have been born with that, but you haven't been born again with that. You now have been given the ability through the blood of Jesus Christ to behave like him. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if Christians act like Christians? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? I know there's an ideology out there that I discovered years ago that just was not true. That we put certain parameters upon those who are in leadership in the church but we excuse ourselves from those standards of behavior. Let me tell you, if it fits for me, it fits for you. And if I ain't supposed to do it, you ain't supposed to do it either. Amen? If I don't get the liberty to behave that way, then nor do you. So don't put uh, those parameters on the preachers, uh, upon the deacons, upon the Sunday school teachers that you won't put upon yourself. If God has called me to witness, he's called you to witness. If God has called us to walk like Christians, then, buddy, let's get to doing it, amen, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ.
What is the word? What is the blood telling us? We now have the ability, choice. I can choose to live in victory or I can choose to live in defeat. I can choose to continue on the path that my father went down, my grandfather went down, and every other father that uh, passed him. I could choose to be an alcoholic, a drug addict, and an adulterer. And buddy, let me tell you, I started out that way. I don't mean to offend you by calling you buddy. I don't even like that. Let's throw that out, okay? Sounds a little condescending, doesn't it? <laughs> buddy. <laughs> no. That was the Holy Spirit correcting me, so we'll just we'll keep going here. See, I could choose. In, in, in some things that were passed from, from one generation to the other, I carried for a long time. And it's difficult many times to, to overcome in those areas. The area of self-hatred. The area of devaluing yourself. In an area of harboring a spirit of rejection. Living in a place where you feel it's okay and you excuse yourself because that's what you were born with and that's what you were passed on to you. Until you start listening to the blood. And the blood that fell in Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane that day, declares to me and to you that we are now free. We have been empowered to make the right choices. That we don't have to live in that depressive state. We don't have to walk in that abusive ideology and stop beating ourselves because he took the beating for us and he resisted his will so that I could be empowered with the will. And now what I couldn't do in myself because there is no good thing in me, now I find deliverance through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is thundering right now and it is saying, to you, you have uh, the power to overcome yeah. through Jesus Christ. The blood still speaks. The blood still declares to you and I that we are free. We have the power to govern. We have the power to overcome. We notice here, we're not going to get through all of this today. We may only get through the first two, maybe three. But I want you to notice that something that was just, it just brushed through with Scripture. But you got to look at the deeper reality. In Matthew 27 and 26, see, humanity left the garden. They were ex expelled from the Garden of Eden. And when they were expelled from the Garden of Eden, now they had to carry the shame and the blame and the burden of their sin. 
But the devil never tells you, young people hear this, but he never tells you. He always gives you the temptation of the sin, but what he doesn't tell you is how much he's going to beat you up over the fact when you step into that sin. Older folks out there right now, you know, it may feel good in a moment. Oh, I got them told. Woo! Did you see me? I got them told. And then you go to prayer. And the Lord convicts your heart. And you're like, oh, why did I do that? Lord, suture my forked tongue, Lord God. Let this be a wellspring of life and not a wellspring of bitter water. Funny story, and I'll move on. <laughs> we had a gentleman in our church who loved to honk the horn when people got in his way. He was a good man of God. Preacher of the gospel, good, you know. But, you know, sometimes we get in our car and we think we're invisible. We think it doesn't really matter. Now, he pulls up to Walmart and a woman backs out and nearly hits him. And, it, you know, it's one thing to just let, let them know that they're in front of you. It's okay. Hey, doo -doo. hey, back here, back here. Don't back into me. Oh, no, 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 no. He hammered down on that horn. When he let off of it, the horn just kept going. He had to drive all the way home with that horn going. Me. The reason I know that is because he came to church confessing his faults that he might be healed. He said, my flesh got away from me and God scolded me and I had to drive all the way to the house with the horn just blowing. Maybe the Lord needs to blow your horn. Amen? <laughs> Where was I going? Somewhere good, I'm sure. But see, the devil always wants to tempt you with the sin, but not talk to you about the ramifications of that sin. He wants to tempt you with that sin so he can keep that condemnation over the top of you all the time. He wants to lead you into dark places and oh if Adam and Eve would have fully discovered and understood that the disobedience that they partook in that day that their son would be killing their other son that now sin was passed on to every generation to follow see that's the part the enemy doesn't want you to know So humanity leaves the garden and Adam is carrying this weight. Eve is carrying this weight of, of the sin that they had committed and the consequences of their action. The earth is not going to be the same anymore. It's not, it's gonna, it's not just going to willingly yield its fruit anymore. Now, now there's going to be thorns and there's going to be thistles. There's going to be... There, there's going to be the, the, the earth is subject now to your sin. Subject to your sin. We took a missions trip to Puebla and we encountered some demoniacs and we were invited to come over to their house. So where do we go? We go to their house. We show up to their house and what had happened is the mother in the household hired the local witch doctor to cast a spell and a curse upon her sons 
and her grandson so that they would never leave the house. Well, what happened as a result of that, Pastor Angel, these people were, this son and this grandson were hip, horrifically demon-possessed. She was demon-possessed. Had all these fetishes hanging all over. We go in there to minister and to pray to this family, and lo and behold, as we look out on the vegetation in the beautiful, what should be the beautiful fruit trees and the vegetations, everything in that place was diseased. Everything was diseased. Why? Because sin has effect on the world. Adam and Eve were carrying this burden. They were carrying this burden, this weight of the sin out of that garden. Jesus shed his blood the first time in that garden. But then when he goes before the, the Roman government, the Bible says in Matthew 27 and 26, then he released Barabbas, the guilty one, to them. When they had scourged Jesus, they delivered him up to be crucified. And that's what the Bible tells us about the Roman scourging. They scourged Jesus. Scourged him. What does that word mean? Some of you immediately, you're thinking, 39 stripes, save one. No. That's Jewish law. That's not Roman law. Roman law, Jewish law says that, that you can strike a person who is found guilty with a rod 39 times, but no more. No, Roman law, that scourging, is not with a stick. It's with a cat of nine tails. An instrument of cruelty where they would put leather uh, in, inside their leather straps, usually seven straps. There would be pieces, shards of bone and metal and the historians will tell you there was no limit to the number of stripes that a prisoner would receive. Could have been 39, could have been 390. Many of the criminals that were to be crucified would die literally on the whipping post. So it goes back to the question. You do this. And then we find that Jesus said, Come unto me, those of you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Where's that rest found? It's found in the rest that Jesus Christ gives us. That we're no longer carrying around the weight of our sins anymore. Because he finished the work. That he bore our grief. Let me tell you, if you've accepted Christ's forgiveness, what's included in that forgiveness is freedom from the guilt and the shame of your past. There are things that I was so ashamed of that it happened to me or I did to myself that I didn't want to share with anyone else. I didn't trust them with it. But 
lo and behold, Jesus comes and he says, I've seen it all and I know where you've been and I don't want you to be there anymore. You need to step out of this self-destructive behavior and receive and li listen to the witness of my blood because my blood is declaring to you, you don't have to carry that weight of your sin anymore. You have been free. You have been free. You are now free from that burden of sin. It's time, folks. If you are still carrying this weight and this yoke of your sin, your shame of your sin, and you have been to the altar and you have, you have asked God earnestly to forgive you, and you said, Lord, I've received your sacrifice for my sin. I've received it. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And with that forgiveness, I'm asking for the empowerment not to sin anymore. Because I hear what your blood is saying to me. So I come to you, Lord, and, and I accept your yoke and your burden because your yoke is, it's easy. And it's, it's light. And I willingly connect myself with you. The enemy wants to keep putting on you the shame. The shame. We don't separate the sowing and the reaping process. There were some things in my life that I had sown that I prayed earnestly for crop failure. And there are times where God just burned up those fields and it was beautiful. Love the smell of that smoke coming off that field I asked God to destroy. But then there was other areas of my life I just had to sow more to the future, to where I wanted to go. Love a statement my wife made the other day. My today is a result of the seeds that I sowed yesterday. If I want a better tomorrow, I got to sow better seeds today. But God gives us the power to sow those seeds. Not so we can go back and jump back in the pig pen. Not so we can go back and fall into the same areas of sin that we came out of. No, the blood declares to us a better way. The blood of Jesus Christ is saying to you and I, you are free. In the garden, you have now been empowered to, to apply the will of the Father. And now you don't have to be subject entirely to the will of your flesh. You now have the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of the Lamb. And you'll overcome the wicked one through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony because you love not your life unto death. Now you can walk a different walk. You can talk a different talk. You are not who you were. You are a new creature. You may have been born in the first Adam, but now you have been born again in the last Adam. You're not who you were. You are a brand new creature. Now you got to learn to walk in that new created man that's inside of you. It's time for the shame 
and the pain of your past to come off. I'm going to close with this, and I've got five more points to make, so you have to come next few weeks to get the rest of it. But I have found out this truth all the way back to the garden. When I'm living, and hear me, hear me clearly, when I'm living under the yoke of the guilt and the shame of my sin, I blame others for my condition. Adam, where are you? That woman you gave me did this to me. Oh, no, no. It was the serpent. So we start blaming others, and then we start blaming the devil. That's the one condition of the fact that we're living under this yoke because we have not accepted the witness of the blood that we have been free and now we can walk accordingly. And we start blaming others for why we don't have victory. Or we start accusing others. If we spend the majority of our time accusing others, chances are there is something deep down inside that we have not released or found the freedom to live in. If I'm always accusing this ministry, that ministry, this person, that person, I'm always, who's the accuser of the brethren? Be careful that you're not throwing rocks at your own house. Be sure that you're not persecuting the body of Jesus Christ. Make sure that whenever you are kicking against the inner proddings of the Lord and you're giving sentence to the death of others, that you are not coming against the very body and bride of Jesus Christ. What is it a result of blaming and accusing? You don't have freedom in your heart. Because you're wearing this yoke of guilt and shame of your sin. Today is your day of freedom. Today. Today. Because the word of the Lord to you today is that you will overcome by the word of your testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Because you love not your life unto death. Worship team, come and help me this morning. Surely, he has borne our griefs, plural. He has carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Adam came out of that garden carrying all that weight of that sin. And 4,000 years later, the last Adam, on that whipping post, as that blood began to spill, 
a witness begin to come up into heaven. That blood from earth's side. That blood that originated and started on earth, that perfect blood sacrifice of Jesus. For 4,000 years, the cry of the innocent blood of Abel and every other innocent person, every innocent sacrifice was heard in heaven. But the blood of Jesus Christ is so much louder than all the other voices of the blood. He's declaring to you today you can find forgiveness you can find freedom from the shame and your pain I want you to stand if you're in this house today this message is for you you say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm just not going to live this way anymore. I hear what the blood is saying to me. I am free. I am free. I am free. I want you to come.